welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Are you ready to, to see what God speaks? Amen. Let's read. It says, a crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received those orders, he put them in the inner cell and fasted their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Amen. I want to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word, Father, that you are about to speak, Father. I pray that every single one of us, Lord, just tune our ears, my God, to what your spirit has for us today, Father. I pray that this message, my God, may penetrate the depths of our souls, my God, because that is what your word does. In Hebrews, you compare it to a double-edged sword, Father. I pray, Father God, even if it doesn't feel good, Father God, let us be awoken, uh, waken up by the pain, Father God, and feel the conviction that is in your word, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've entitled today's message at midnight, at midnight, because it's not truly worship if you can't do it in the darkest part of your life. If you can't worship at midnight, then you don't really know how to worship. Can we can we just can we agree there? I've often I often heard growing up, people would always say that praise is easy. Praise, praise is easy. Worship is a little bit more difficult. Praise is easy. Worship is hard. And that's true because if you think about it, praise is something that you do. When you praise something or when you praise uh, someone, you're, you're praising based off of, off of their merit. You're praising something based off of something that they, they did, right? You praise someone for a job well done. Uh, Layla, we, we, praise, we praise her when she cleans her room, right? We, we used to praise her when, when she was getting potty trained and she said, Daddy, we need to go to the restroom. And we said, all right, good job. Right? We praised her. That's what you do when you praise something. It's based off of something good that someone does, right? That's why when people say praise God, it's because they're, they're probably giving a testimony. I asked God for a job and he, he supplied a job. Praise God. I, I needed a healing. God gave me a healing. Praise God. So praise, in that sense, is easy because it's based off of good actions. Worship is a little bit different, though, because worship isn't based off of someone's actions. It's just based off of the person. You don't worship because of what God did for you. You worship because he is God. That's the difference. You're not, you're not really praising God in your midnight hour. You don't hear the words, you have cancer, and say, praise God. I don't know anyone who's ever done that. You don't hear of a tragic death that happened in your family and say, alabale, unless you really didn't like that person, right? But, but most of the time, you're not saying praise God in your midnight hour when you're going through the storm and when you're going through so much, so much heartache. And I, if I could just be real, I, I think that people will go insane trying to praise God in the midnight hour because it's going to be fake. It's going to be fake. On the inside, you're going to be dying, and you're going to be screaming, and you're going to be so frustrated, but, but you're going to put on this mask that says, you know what, everything's okay. God's, God's been good in my life right now. 
Worship is a little bit different, though, because worship recognizes the hurt. Worship is not oblivious to the fact that you are in the storm and that you are hurting and that you are drowning, that you might even be dying, but yet you stay devoted to God, not because of what he's putting you through, but because of who he is. That's the difference. That's the difference. And, and Paul, the Apostle Paul tells us that worship is a lifestyle. In Romans chapter 12, he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is your spiritual act of worship. By sacrificing your body to God, what are you doing? You're exchanging your will for God's will. You're exchanging your ways, your thoughts for his ways and his thoughts. Your desires for his desires. And, and in order to do that, we follow the instruction that's given to us in Galatians 6, which says to walk in the spirit. Because if you walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So you take all of this into account and you can get a lifestyle of worship. And that's what the scriptures call us to, church. They call us to the things of the spirit so that we're constantly living our lives in worship to God. And it's in that way that we were created for worship. You were created to worship. You were created for worship. You were created to honor God. I, I, when, when, when people say that, when people say that you were meant to worship, uh, I hope that you don't simply mean that you were just meant to, to come to church on Sundays and, and raise your hands and, 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 and sing a few songs. That's a fragment of it. But worship, by broad definition, is a life that glorifies and honors God. So in other words, worship isn't so much about what you do in here, but how you live out there. And I will tell you that the way that you worship out there will tell us how you worship out there in here. Because you're not, you're, your life is going to be overflowing with devotion to God out there. You're not going to be able to contain yourself. The moment you walk into these doors, you're going to start pouring everything that you have out to God but let me just tell you, man, it's, it's easier to worship in here, in the church, than it is outside. Because here at church, you're surrounded, by, you're surrounded by your fellow believers who are worshiping with you. They're singing with you. They're looking at the same screen. It, it, we're we're kind of united. And, and that's kind of the thing that you do on Sundays. You, you come to church to worship God. But what about in your midnight hour when there's no one else around to judge you if you didn't worship. That's where the worship lifestyle is truly seen. Can I just tell you something, though? And you're probably not going to like this. I don't, I don't really like this part, if I'm being honest. It's going to be work. It's going to be work. A lifestyle of worship is not something that you get one day and you have it forever. It's something that needs to be maintained. You got to take care of it. It's kind of like, you know, maintaining a healthy lifestyle. That's a daily commitment. man. Every day I have to wake up and I have to tell myself I will not have Whataburger today. I haven't ordered a honey barbecue chicken strip sandwich in about two years. And that was my favorite sandwich. I had to say goodbye to it. It's a daily commitment. You wake up. It's a, it's a constant decision because one bad meal can lead to a, a cheat day which leads to a cheat week, which leads to a terrible month, which leads to a, man, where, how did I gain 20 pounds? 
That's how it happens. So you constantly need to be getting your, your mindset right, your mindset that will lead you to a lifestyle of healthiness. That's why Paul says in the same uh, verse in Romans to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can you, I just want you to grasp that this morning. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's flip that on its head. Be, uh, renew your mind to live a transformed life. If you want to break some habits, it's not going to happen automatically. There, there, there's something that has to happen. There's a flip, a, swip, a switch that needs to be flipped in your mind. You have to be renewed so that you can transform your lifestyle. If in your mind, church, you're still, when someone gets you angry, man, that happens all the time. When someone gets you angry and they wrong you, and in your mind, the first thing you do is you play out scenarios to kind of get them back. Like you just, you just imagine them going through some terrible day, and you're kind of like, yeah, I would love to see that happen, right? If, if that's what's going on in your mind, can I tell you, you're going to have a rough time forgiving people. And if, if in your mind you're thinking all the time about how you can get what you want to satisfy your own desires and you pass up that billboard that says $500 million for the lotto and you're like, oh man, if I could just win that $500 million and you do that every single time, let's, we all, we've all done it. But if you do it with every aspect of your life and you're just thinking about, man, me, 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 you're never going to develop a lifestyle of selflessness. It happens in the mind. You want to transform your life? You want to change habits? You want to be, be, you want to be disciplined? You want to be able to, to, to not just start a race, but finish the race? You have to develop a, a, a mindset that will reflect the lifestyle that you want. And God is calling us to a lifestyle of worship. The only way that you're going to do that is by the renewing of your mind. We don't automatically want to worship. That's hard. We don't automatically want to get down on our knees and, and, and seek the face of God in the midst of adversity. That is something that has to be trained and developed by the renewing of your mind. Y'all already know, man, 2017, I was 240 pounds. <laughs> Today, I'm 190. Praise God. See, that's, that's a praise God moment right there. <laughs> and I, I remember, man, I... We were looking at photos the other day, and you know, Alexa, my sister, was there, and she was, she was like, goodness, Ryan, who were you, right? And I remember, I remember the days, like, I would wake up Sunday mornings, I'd, I'd wake up like at, like at 5.30, because I needed to figure out what I was going to wear, because none of my clothes fit me, it was like, and I was there for like an hour, trying to put clothes on, and, and the thing with me is, I'm, I'm stubborn, like, I, if, I'm, if I gain weight, I don't want to buy new clothes because that that's me just accepting defeat right i i, I don't do that so i i just i had really tight clothes you know and um anyway i had to end up buying new clothes because i dropped more weight than than the clothes that i that fit me at the time but now it's a it's a daily decision i have to wake up and i have to continue a lifestyle that i that i want to live right but it's easier now because I first had to change my thinking. And can I just tell you something, church? Don't ever think that your previous success will determine your future success. Don't, don't think that just because you were walking in the spirit yesterday means you're going to walk in the spirit today. 
Don't think that you, because you were so anointed last week at church and when you prayed, someone fell to the, to the ground and you just felt the power of the Holy Ghost in you. That doesn't mean that that power is going to be in there today. It's a constant thing that needs to be maintained. It needs to be maintained. You don't have it forever. It's work. Someone say, it's work. Nah, yeah, I don't believe you. Say, it's work. It's work. You have to convince yourself because if you don't convince yourself, you're not going to believe it. If you don't believe it, you're not going to do it. If you don't do it, we're going to have a dead church all the time. You have to believe it. You have to know that it is work. When I wake up, I have to tell myself, man, the first thing I got to do is I got to get on my knees and I I need to say a prayer. Because I need to get closer to God. Because if I'm not close to God, I'm going to be far from God. If I'm far from God, that when something happens in my life, the whole foundation of my faith is going to be shaken. And I'm not going to come to church for the next five weeks. It's something that needs to be maintained. And I bet it took Paul and Silas a long time to get to this point of of, of worship by default. I bet it took a lot of renewing of the mind. It took a lot of maturity. Man, maturity, can we just speak about maturity real quick? Maturity, unfortunately, has become kind of underrated in the church. Not a lot of people seek to be spiritually mature. We seek to be spiritual, but not spiritually mature. We have a lot of people that want to be fed. So, so they come to church to receive a word from those who they believe should be spiritually mature. And then, and then they hold them accountable more than they hold themselves accountable. And, and they come to church and they expect to receive prayer from the prayer warriors because they know that the prayer warriors are always on their knees praying constantly day and night. And they come to church ex- uh, expecting divine revelation from someone who is spiritually mature. But can I tell you, if you are a member of the body of Christ, you too were called to maturity. You too were called to develop in your faith, to grow in your faith. That is what Paul instructs us to do in Ephesians chapter 4. There are Christians who have been going to church their entire lives, but it looks like they just walked in the doors last week. When you haven't reached that level of maturity, your lifestyle is going to be shaky, church, because it's going to be dependent on certain things. It's going to be dependent on, on things going going well in your life all the time. There's not going to be a constant. But we see something different here. When the mind has been transformed and the lifestyle has been changed and the maturity has been reached, you get to a place where you worship by default. You worship by default. My dad this morning in the Spanish service, he, he, he preached, he preached a very, a kind of a similar message on, on prayer and how we always need to be in prayer, constantly in prayer. That is our go-to. Before we go to Google, before we go to anyone else, before we go to the experts, we go to God. And it's the same thing here. Before we get frustrated, before we say things that, that uh, we're going to regret saying later, later, we need to first worship by default. But I want you to picture something. I want you to picture here in this, in this passage uh, that, that Acts paints for us. You have two men. You have Paul and Silas. And they call out a demon from from this little girl who's being taken advantage of by two ungodly men for their own monetary gain, right? And nothing has changed from then to now. Nothing's changed. Corrupt people are still taking advantage of other corrupt people. 
That's why, that's why you have men and women who, who go into the, the adult film industry. They go in willingly, and, and, and their willingness is being exploited by others who want to just make a profit. And so you have corrupt people you know, taking advantage of other corrupt people, and the Christians are kind of just in the middle. Sometimes we don't know what to do. But, but when you disrupt the enemy's plan, like Paul and Silas did, the enemy is going to retaliate. He's going to get mad. He's going to get real mad. That's the default mode of your enemy, to retaliate, to get even, to get revenge, to make you uh, stop pursuing your calling. That's why verse 22 says that the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with raw, raw rods. Have you ever felt like you've just been flogged by people like that? Like it's one thing after another. You can't, you can't catch a break. You just feel like throwing in the towel. Maybe, maybe that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to frustrate you so much to the point where you just say, you know what, I'm done. The verse before this that we just read, it says that, that the demon, he had been taunting Paul and Silas for, for days. Days he'd been doing this. Days he'd been following around Paul and Silas in their, in their journey uh, to, to, to evangelize and speak on, on the, the gospel. This demon's following them. Maybe for you, you feel like, man, something's been oppressing you for days. Maybe it's been longer. Maybe it's weeks. Maybe months. Maybe you've been going through years of hurt or or frustration. But Paul and Silas, instead of giving up, instead of going somewhere else, or instead of doing something else, the Bible says that Paul and Silas became annoyed. Annoyed. Anybody annoyed this morning with someone else? The Greek word used for annoyed is poneomai. Poneomai. That literally means to toil through work. Toil through work. To be worn out. And maybe that's exactly where you're at right now. You're like, Pastor Ryan, keep going, man. That's good. That's exactly me. That's, that's me right now. I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where I don't know what to do anymore. The Bible says that they got annoyed and they didn't give up. They, they didn't change their plans. They didn't take a different route. The Bible says that they called the demon out and messed up the enemy's plans. They messed up the enemy's plans. Now, that's, that's powerful stuff right there, man. That's, that's a message right there on its own. It takes a bold Christian to stand up to the enemy and say, you're not going to mess up my plans. I'm going to mess up your plans. We need more boldness in the church like that, man. Instead of surrendering, instead of giving up, we stand up and we call out the devil because you will not be moved just because he's in the way. But that's not the message today. The message is, is what you do when the enemy retaliates. How do you react? How do you respond? When he makes what you were going through so much worse now, now he's not just annoying you. Now he's trying to make you suffer. When you take evil away from an evil world, church, you're probably going to offend a lot of people because they're going to think that you're, you're, you're taking away their right to do whatever they want to do, even if that's evil. 
So, so they're going to get back at you and they're going to try to make you pay and they're going to fight you. Sometimes they're going to try to sue you. Sometimes they're going to try to shame you. Sometimes they're going to speak negatively about you and they're going to uh, tear down your reputation. In many parts of the world, they'll even try to kill you for, for doing the will of God. And can I just tell you something that you might not want to hear, church? You're not going to be exempt from every retaliation just because you have God's protection. Protection doesn't mean exemption. So you have to expect attacks. You have to expect attacks. We have to go out and every time we are doing the will of God and we are being a faithful Christian, we are devoted to God, you have to expect an attack. You have to expect there to be a midnight hour church. When you stand up and you don't surrender and you push through, and you call the enemy out, you have to expect there to be a fight on the other side. And now that boldness that you had when you stood up to the enemy means nothing if you don't have the maturity to take on what comes next. And it's at this point that the only thing that really matters, church, is your ability to worship by default. I, I, I can just, I, I picture the scene, man. I picture Paul and Silas walking for days and They're trying to do the will of God. They're trying to minister to people. But this little demon-possessed girl is behind them, and he's taunting them. And Paul, you know, you read about Paul, man. Paul don't play, man. He he probably turned around, and he said, man, I had it with this little girl. I had it. And he gets in the demon's face, and he says, demon, I command you out right now in the name of Jesus. You have no authority here. You have no place here. You have no right here. Get out. And then he leaves. And if I'm Silas, I'm like, dude, Paul, bro. That was sick. That was awesome. You, you, man, you, that was so dope. You told that fool, man. But that boldness caused a retaliation that would leave them not just annoyed, but now beaten, humiliated, and thrown in prison. Mm. Now this, that, now they're at their pushing point. Every single one of us has gotten to the edge before. You get to the edge. You get to that moment where like everything's about to just crumble and your default mode kicks in. I want you to think about your default mode real quick. Everybody just kind of exercise your mind. Think about what you do when you get angry. What do you do? What do you do when your kids are driving you crazy? And you've already had a terrible day at work and you're coming home, your, your boss yelled at you and you get home and you just want to relax and your kids are, mommy, mommy, daddy, come play with me. <laughs> Layla does that all the time. She's like, I'll come home and I'm like tired and she's like, daddy, do you want to play with me? And I'm like, oh, I guess. <laughs> But what do you do? What do you do when they drive you to your pushing point? What, when you get angry, like when that, that switch flips, what do you do? Do you start screaming? Do you, some people throw things. I, I never understood that. But some people like to throw stuff. Maybe, maybe you say things. A lot of people say things that they regret saying later because they're just reactive. What do you do when you get stressed? Think about that. When you get stressed. I'm not a very good handler of stress. My reaction is to get very frustrated and I start thinking to myself, what if I just quit? 
What if I just quit? And, and this, this happens a lot. And I, 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 I tell Melissa all the time, babe, maybe we should just move to Colorado already. That's, that's me quitting <laughs> when I say that. Maybe we should just, maybe we should just leave and just give up. I don't have peace when I'm stressed. What do you do? What about, what about when the edge takes you to feeling sad? Some people let that take them deeper into depression. Some people shut people out. Some people hide from everything and everyone. They don't want to be seen. What's your default mode in any given situation, church? What if it was to worship? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself that. What if in, in my midnight hour, when most people would react out of their emotions, what if I went straight to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and I just buried my anxieties at his feet. And I said, Lord, I am going to seek you right now, even though I don't want to. Not because of what you're allowing me to go through right now, but because of who you are. How would your life change, man? How would it change? When I get driven to anger instead of yelling and cursing the world, what if I worshiped? When I get stressed out, what if I just paused for a minute and I, I, just, I got closer to God? My life would change when my default mode switches to worship in any given situation. I'm reminded of Job when he found out that his whole world just came crashing down upon him and he lost everything that he loved. What was the first thing that he did? He bowed down and he buried his face in the sand and he worshiped. What happened with David when he lost his son? He had been fasting. He had been praying for days, for weeks, and God took his son away from him. What did he do? The first thing he did was bow down and worship God. What would happen when our default mode became to just worship? Because church, I know, personally speaking, if I go too long in my emotions... And not walking in the spirit, but the flesh, I risk losing that lifestyle of worship that I was called to. After all this, Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. Verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. At midnight, at midnight, they weren't cursing God. They weren't wallowing in their struggles. They weren't feeling sorry for themselves. They were worshiping God. Not because they were thrown into prison. Not because they had just gotten beaten. Not because they were probably bleeding and had wounds. But simply because he is still God at the end of the day. And I love that Luke includes this last part. Luke is the author of Acts. He says that all the other prisoners were listening to them. Do you get that part? I want you to pay close attention to that. Because that is so, so important. He says, all the other prisoners were listening to them. The world watches you when you switch to your default. They are watching you. They are listening to you. When you get upset with people at at your church and you start your default mode is to just begin talking uh, to, to your coworkers about how you're so frustrated with the church. Let me tell you, you're speaking louder of yourself than you are of the people of the church. They're watching you. They're, they're listening to you. They're saying, is this how all people talk about other people in the church? Is this what's going to happen of me if I mess up and I do something wrong and I go to church? Are, are, are my, the people that I thought were my friends, are they going to be speaking about me? The way that you react to situations 
tells people about your character. Imagine if Paul and Silas, they were thrown into prison, they just started, you know, cursing at the guards. Imagine if they started talking crazy, like, man, so many Christians, so many Christians do when they get mad, like, ooh, you just wait. Ooh, God is going to get you. <laughs> God's going to, ooh, you just wait. Ooh, you're going to have your day. Imagine, imagine if, if Silas had told Paul, bro, I'm, I'm done. Paul, you, once we're out of here, I'm, I'm going back home. I'm, I'm, this is too much. I didn't sign up for this. People would have watched. People would have heard what the men of God were saying. You think no one's watching you in your midnight hour. Let me tell you, there's always someone watching you. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids. You're delivering a message to them that you didn't even realize you were delivering, but they're watching you in your default mode. They're watching you react. So why not just redefine the default? When you get hit, you worship. When you get mad, you worship. When you get sad, when you get frustrated, you worship. And you do that enough, church, you will, de- you will eventually develop a lifestyle that worships God in every season, every situation. And that's what the world, that's how the world needs to see the church, the members of the church, that we worship God in every season, that we live a lifestyle that reflects what we say. I don't know how many people in this room this morning need to redefine their default. I need to. There's some things that in my life where when an emotion hits me, I, I'll go straight to worship, but there's other, there's other areas that I kind of bypass the worship. I'm like, nah, God, I'll do that on Sunday. Right now, it's, it's time to worry. It's not time to worship. Right now, it's time to freak out. Right now, it's time to respond. Right now, it's time to make phone calls to the right people because if, if I wait too long, then, then everything's just going to fall apart and it's going to get worse. But, but, but God's like, hold on. Why not just worship? Why not just worship? Why not instead of reacting out of your emotion, you come to me first. Let me give you the wisdom. Let me give you the discernment for the next decision that you're about to make. That's probably a pretty big one. Let me give you everything that you need, but come to me first. His word says, come to me all those who thirst. We all thirst all the time. We are always in need of something, but we are going to to the wrong well too many times. We are going to the wrong source too many times where every time Jesus says, I will give you to drink all the rest of your days of of your life. I will give you to drink for eternity. I have living water that never runs dry. But too many times we go to different sources because worship is in our default. And I want to challenge every single believer this morning, every Christian, every member of this church to worship by default. In every situation, every given situation, go to God first. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Right there where you're at, why don't you just bow your head and let's, uh, 
Let's just say a, a prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word, Lord. I thank you for this world, my God, that, 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 that reveals so much about ourselves, my God. It reveals so much about what we lack, Lord, in our lives, Lord. When we're going through life, when we're passing through the midnight hour, Father God. I pray, Lord. I pray for this body, Lord. I pray for strength, my God. I pray for, for wisdom, my God. I pray, Lord, for every source that you provide to be given in any situation, my God, that we may go to you first, Lord, that we worship you, Lord, that we learn how to worship you, Father God, not just when things are good, but when things are bad, Father God, that we know how to come back to church, Lord, even when Saturday night we had a terrible evening, we had a terrible night Saturday, we're going to be back here, my God, because we want to worship you. Strengthen our spirit, Lord. Renew our minds, God. Right there where you're at. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.